Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we thank you for your word, which is truth, which is history, that which you preserved for your people, and that is us. And so will you use it in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds? Will you mold us into conformity with your word? And we would pray for this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as you can see before you again, uh, this week, we are continuing to look at the uh, scriptural foundation for uh, answering the question, uh, what is a disciple? Uh, the, we call this the disciple flow, and uh, a picture of an enfolded church member. So, so here's the point. If uh, somebody comes to the church as, as you've come and visited at some point, we say here at St. Andrews that everything we do is in order to make disciples. We talked about how uh, last week how uh, when, when asked the question, well, what discipleship program do you use my answer is we don't use a program. Everything we do at St. Andrews is to make disciples. Everything. And so uh, we uh, want to answer the question, if, that, if that's the case, then uh, how do we know if we are uh, a disciple? How do we know if we are growing in our discipleship, and that's where the disciple flow came from. Last week, we looked at uh, connect, and today, we're going to look at, at grow. Next week, serve, and the following week, worship. And you can see the, the arrows, the idea of the arrows uh, was it, it doesn't always go in that direction. We could have arrows. We wanted to give the sense of, of movement, that it's not a static thing that, that we uh, say, okay, now we're connecting. We're in this box now. And, uh, okay, we got to move over to the growth box. And so we, we move over and we say, okay, now we're growing uh, because they are all interrelated. Absolutely. When we are in, in growth classes, you will be, at least to some degree, connecting with others and vice versa. There is somebody that is serving you in that class, whether it is the teacher or perhaps a number of others. And so there's a great deal of overlap uh, between these and so this is our best attempt at this point in describing uh, what we are looking for in our, our church members. So that 
even though there aren't totally separate boxes, one of the, the dangers for some would be to kind of get stuck in one of those areas, to be uh, serving and serving and serving, and we need servants, absolutely. But we also need those servants to be growing, and we need them to be connected other than just in serving. And all we need in worship, in corporate worship like this and in private worship. And so that's, that's the idea uh, with our disciple flow. I told you last week that uh, when we began to discuss, uh, okay, well, how well are we doing then uh, here at, at St. Andrews? The staff uh, went on a retreat, and we basically put everything on the table figuratively. Every ministry that we do, we listed everything that we do here at, at St. Andrews. And uh, as you can see from uh, our launch magazine, if you don't have one, you need one, please get one on the way out. But as you can see, there, there are a lot of things that we do here. Well, what we did then at that point with everything on the table is we wiped the table clean figuratively, and then began to put things back on. And of course, there, there were many, in fact, most of the things, it was very, very obvious. Yeah, that goes back on. Of course, worship, that was the first one we put on there. That will always be there, and, and so on. Uh, but we wanted to make sure that uh, we weren't doing things just, just out of habit or just because we did them last year. We wanted to make sure that everything that we are doing here is moving us toward maturing as disciples. So today, as we look at, at growth, I, I want to, if this is a new term to you, introduce you to it, and that is the ordinary means of grace. The ordinary means of grace are the Word, the Bible, the sacraments, and prayer. And it is our view that that is how God grows his people, the Word, the sacraments, and prayer. So we're going to look at uh, this passage that uh, was read earlier in Acts chapter 2. If you closed your Bible, open it back up. You need to uh, uh, be following along. And we see that uh, there were uh, numerous thousands of professions of faith. A, a church that wasn't there one day. Well, actually it was there, but it was very small. And, and the next day, had thousands. Uh-oh, what do we do now? Well, we're going to look at what they did. Because making, making a, a profession of faith is, is not the end of, of being a disciple. It's the beginning of being a disciple. That's, wh that's where you start. 
That's the start line. And then you move forward. And we saw last week that they devoted themselves to one of the things was to the fellowship. And that's where we talked about connecting. But then there are several other things, several other aspects that they devoted themselves to. And, and those uh, speak to spiritual growth in the early New Testament church. And here's what they did. They made a conscious decision to be consistent in the pursuit of growth. And here's why I say that. Look at verse 42 in Acts chapter 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. So each of our points today have to do with what, what the church was committed to. And notice that term uh, that, that's translated here. They devoted themselves. It's a compound word. The idea is they were pressing forward. They were continuing steadfastly. They were persevering in going after those things. So to what did they devote themselves? First of all, to a body of teaching. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That body of teaching is what we now call the New Testament. That was the apostles' teaching. Now, it wasn't written down yet. So when they were teaching, they didn't say, uh, it, you got some pew Bibles in front of you and turn to page blank because they didn't have it. They had the Old Testament and then they had the actual apostles, which is, are the ones that God was using that would ultimately write what we call the New Testament. They would write the letters, they would write the accounts that became the New Testament. So what was going on in the early church? Well, the, the apostles, and that's uh, those that were called out, the, the disciples and uh, those who were with Jesus after the resurrection, they were with before he was crucified, with him after the resurrection, then you add the Apostle Paul to that, who also witnessed him after the resurrection. It wasn't when all the others did, but it was at a, at a later time. So the apostles were, were doing signs and wonders. They were, they were doing miracles. But the point of the miracles wasn't so everyone would say, wow, look at that miracle, or, you know, my... Uh, you know, my aunt was healed. Isn't that great? I want to be a believer. Well, there, there was that. That would happen, I'm quite sure. But the point of the healings and the miracles was to affirm what they were teaching, that it was coming from God. And that's why, as we go through 
the New Testament, and the books are being written, uh, and the letters are being written that become the New Testament, what we see is the New Testament starts out with lots of miracles, and then they begin to fade away. There begin to be less and less miracles that take place because the purpose for those miracles was to attest to the new revelation that was being given. So that's uh, the uh, apostles' teaching. God was speaking through the apostles, and the church seemed to understand that, and it was, they were studying uh, the teaching of the apostles, and that was crucial for them in the spiritual growth of these thousands of uh, new believers and crucial to the church in giving it the right direction. And what, what were the results? What happened because they committed themselves to these things? Verse 47 says, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So it wasn't like they said, okay, we got 3,000. Nobody else can come in till we grow these people up a little bit. They just kept coming in. They just kept coming in. But that's okay when it's not a matter of trying to handle some kind of a program, but it's, okay, devote yourself to this body of teaching. Now, some might be tempted to say, well, that was a unique time. That was the early church. That, that's why they devoted themselves to that. You know, we have the Word of God and and it's just different now. Let me read to you a quote from Charles Brown, who was a minister in the Church of Scotland during a season of revival. He quoted this eyewitness account of the, the power of God's grace in churches at that time. Listen to what was going on. He said, it was the simple reading of the word without preaching. Now, I'm saying this at great risk. I understand. <laughs> but where, where was the power? Without preaching. Yet such was the power upon the minds of the people that it was a common thing as soon as the Bible was opened, after the preliminary services, and just as the reader began for great meltings to come upon the hearers. The deepest attention was paid to every word as the sacred verses were slowly and solemnly enunciated. Then the silent tear might begin stealing down the rugged but expressive countenance as the faces turned upon the reader. The word of the Lord was precious in those days. May that always be the case in this place. May it always be the very center of everything we do for growth in discipleship at St. Andrews. And then we see 
Also that uh, not only did they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching uh, and the fellowship, but also to the prayers, verse 42. Now, there's some difference depending on which commentator uh, you read. There are some differences. Some, some would say, well, all that when it says they devote themselves to the prayers, all that means is that, you know, they just prayed a lot. And then some say, no, this, this is almost a, a liturgical term here. The prayers. And, and it seems to be something more unique than just saying, you know, they, the early church, they, they prayed a lot. Maybe this was more like a, a prayer meeting or formal times in the context of worship. Now, I've read arguments on, on both sides. Uh, and in my view, the answer is yes. And that's not, uh, that's not to be wishy-washy. I really have come to that conclusion. I, I think it was talking about both of those things. That's what the early church was devoted to. I'm convinced of that because it's clear that they, in, in this passage, they were at the temple day by day, every day. They went to the temple. Now, that would seem to end when you go to the temple you're going to be devoted to the word, but also there would be the prayers as God's people. But we also know, and we talked about last week, uh, uh, the, the idea of connecting, that they were devoted to the fellowship and that they were inside of homes. And, and I have no doubt that in those homes, and we see throughout the New Testament, that, that prayer is, is not just a formal thing, it's also a very private thing. So I believe they devoted themselves to both of those things, to privately praying before the Lord. And when they'd gather together, they, they devoted themselves to the prayers. They were known for that. And then we see the sacrament, verse 42. And I'm almost going down the same road for that one because the the phrase that's used, it says they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of, of bread. Now, again, commentators are mixed on that. And some of, the, some of the ones aren't even consistent between the prayers and the breaking of bread. But I'm at least going to be consistent in saying I think it was both. I meant, I, I, I'm convinced that they ate together. We talked about last week. That was what they did in their homes. But also we know, as we see later, the Apostle Paul addressing how to do this sacrament. We know they were baptized, which is a one-time thing, but this sacrament that was done over and over again, and Paul is careful to tell them, uh, make sure that they are doing it right and so when it says the breaking of bread, to me, that, that does sound more liturgical. I mean, it would have been easy to say they, they ate together all the time. But I believe, I believe both of those things were going on in the early church for their growth. Now, that was the early church what about SAPC? 
what about us? How do we grow here at St. Andrews? Again, we want to emphasize that, that what we're talking about with the disciple flow, this is not new here at St. Andrews. We're not rolling out something that's brand new. This, we believe, is a description of what we have done as a church from the beginning of this church, but also it's a description of what we, we say in our vision statement, Vision 2022. So here's, here's what we say in terms of, uh, in, in that vision statement, in terms of, of growth. Teaching will provide continuing opportunity for the people of SAPC to grow and mature in their understanding of God's Word and its application to our lives. Our desire is for every member to be a learner. If, if you remember in our vision statement, we, we keep saying every member, every member, whether it's a worshiper and in this case, a learner. So what we're saying is we, we don't believe in saying, well, you guys are the teachers because you're the smart ones, and you guys, the rest of you are the learners. No. If you want to be a teacher at St. Andrews, you got to be a learner. It never ends for any of us. So our desire is for every member to be a learner. This will lead into an into ever-deepening discipleship. Zeal without knowledge is useless, but so is knowledge without application. And by the way, that phrase, knowledge without application, that's one of the reasons we have communi community groups, so that we can we can not just get, get knowledge from the morning message, but then we spend time later talking about application. We feel like that's one way we can help fulfill that. The more we know him, the more we should love him. So that's our overall view of growth, but, but let's see whether it meshes with what the early church was doing. We are convinced there should be a conscious decision to be consistent in the pursuit of growth, just like in the early church. Growth is not going to take place just by proximity or osmosis. You won't grow just by walking in the doors here at St. Andrews, but it has to be a consistent and ongoing pursuit of that. Let me give you just, just one, one example of that, and that would be our SAPC reading challenge where, where we, we give out um, scripture that you can, you can read every day, and if you keep doing that, eventually you will have read uh, the, the whole Bible. And the reason for that. And, and there's nothing magical about the one. There's all kinds of Bible reading programs like that. I used the one-year Bible for, for many, many years. But the reason I used the one-year Bible, and I, I now am, am using our reading challenge, is because it is, when you enter into that, you've made the decision to be consistent in your pursuit of growth. 
you're saying, I'm going to be in the Word every day. And that's hard. I mean, it's, uh, that's why we call it a challenge, <laughs> a reading challenge. And, and yet, it's one way that if you, if you follow it, and I like to check mine off when I've done them. You know, that's the little legalistic Pharisee inside me that I can say, oh, no, I'm, I'm two days behind. Now what am I going to do? You know, and, and I got to, you know, catch up. Well, but from the positive side, it, it gives you that, that guideline of how to be consistent and consistently pursuing it. At St. Andrew's also, like in the early church, we devote ourselves to a body of teaching. It's either, everything in our, our growth groups are either specifically books of the Bible or they are biblical books that drive you to the Word of God. That's what all of our growth, if you look through the, the launch magazine, you will see there are lots of opportunities. As I said last week, all these, and, and earlier today, all these overlap. Um, but some of the groups are aimed at mostly at connecting, and others are designed especially for growth. For example, you will see that on, on Sunday morning, in addition to our worship service, that has a message that's aimed at your growth, there are going to be nine opportunities or classes that you could choose from. On Tuesdays, there are two more. On Wednesday, there are four opportunities, and if you include our connect and serve opportunities, there are eight opportunities during D-night. On Thursdays, there is another one on Saturday, there's one more. So here's the bottom line. If you're not growing at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, it's not because of not having enough opportunities to be a part of a growth group. For a church our size, that's a huge number of offerings. And I believe, I am convinced that if you enter and commit yourself to one or more of those growth groups desiring to grow, you will grow spiritually. Those are the opportunities that are before us. And then, then secondly, so we, we devote ourselves in a consistent uh, uh, way after making the conscious decision to a body of teaching and then to the prayers. And here's what I want to challenge you with. I want to assume that all, you all pray privately. I want to assume that as your pastor, that you all pray privately. Now, I want to challenge you, if, if you're slack on that, but you know, if you're a believer, you know you need to be praying privately. But here's what I want to encourage you in. I want to challenge you 
for your own growth to take advantage of the other times St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church is praying. I'll give you three of them. One is in our community groups. Now, that's, it's for connecting, but we, all of our groups also pray together. Another is we have, we have weekly times of prayer. We had it this morning at 8.45. Every Sunday at 8.45 in the conference room, a group of people gather for prayer every Wednesday at 5 p.m. before anything starts up. Now, you might say, oh, that's not a good time. I know. I'm doing a lot of stuff during those times. But those are, are precious times. And I am convinced they are that important. And then a, a third opportunity is we have occasional, occasional prayer events. Usually we have them in the great hall. Usually have about 100 people out. It's, it's a great time, and you'll hear about those. Now, some of you I know will respond, oh, well, you know, I don't like to pray out loud. I get it. First of all, you don't have to pray out loud to attend any of those. Here at St. Andrews, we don't believe in pressuring people into praying unless they're led. We, you're, you'll be given the opportunity. Nobody will think anything less if you're there, but you don't pray out loud. But I want to tell you something else, secondly. Do you know how I learned to to pray out loud by listening to other people praying out loud. That's how I learned. And then I decided to try it for myself. Now, we are in a much better time in our day and age than when I was a young Christian. Here's why. Uh, when I became a Christian and I heard people praying it was very obvious immediately, uh-oh, I don't know that language. I, I, I could never do that because people would say thou and thine and wouldst and couldst and I, I never got the hang of it. I'd mixed up wouldst and couldst. <laughs> anyway, I never did get the hang of that. You know what we say here at, at, at St. Andrews? It's prayer is talking to God. So if you want to know, are you qualified to, to pray out loud, the question is, can you talk? <laughs> if you can talk, then you can talk to God. Now, I know that that's a big step. I remember when I first started trying to do it. I'm, I'm not belittling that if, if that's a really hard thing for you. And that's why I started by saying, you'll never be pressured into it. Well, the, the third thing that we devote ourselves to here in terms of growth is the sacrament. Growth included uh, the ordinary means of grace, which included the word, the sacraments, and prayer. But notice this. It, it was always in groups with the early church and not by themselves. We need each other. 
if we are to grow like God wants us to grow. There is a, there is a trend in our day where some are claiming to be spiritual, some are claiming to be Christians, but they don't attend any church and won't affiliate with a church. Now, the reason I say it's a trend in our day is because if you go back to the New Testament, you don't see that anywhere. If people weren't going to church, to, to the fellowship, it's because they weren't believers. And it was assumed that if, if, if they went away, it's because they were not a part of us. That's what it says in 1 John. So that, that's a, a relatively new thing, this individualistic. But it's not what's best for our growth. There is a beauty, there's a dynamic uh, of growth that simply cannot be experienced when it's just me by myself. Now, that's part of our growth. It's got to be me and the Lord. That relationship must be there. But it can't stop there. And so, before us, we have the table that I believe perfectly illustrates this aspect of growth. We examine ourselves as individuals. We commune, we eat as individuals. I will eat, I will drink, just me, and you will too if you partake. But before the Lord, we will do it all together as a sign of our unity in him. We will commune with him and with one another. And that's the beauty of the table. Let's bow together. Lord, will you help us as we now approach this um, glorious table? having fed on your word, having joined together in the prayers. Now, Lord, will you feed us by faith on yourself, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.